I'd like to welcome you to, to today's Stats and Short Stories episode. Stats and Short Stories is a partnership between Miami University and the American Statistical Association. I'm John Baylor, Chair of the Department of Statistics at Miami University, and I'm joined today by Rosemary Pennington from the Department of Media, Journalism, and Film, also at Miami. We're delighted to be joined today by a uh, guest, Mark Glickman. Mark is a senior lecturer of statistics at Harvard University and also a senior statistician for the Center for Healthcare Organization and Implementation Research. He's also someone that's been a leader in terms of trying to rank competitors mm. in many sports. He's been a leader in sports analytics and he's his, some of his work has has really been been well implemented and embraced by the the world of chess and other competitions. And, and so Mark I'd like to say welcome and glad you're here with us. I appreciate your having me on your show. Oh great. And and Mark I'd like to say so so how did you get involved in chess ranking? Uh, well, I got involved in chess ranking uh, because when I was a, a little kid, I played a lot of chess and, and I started playing in chess tournaments. Oh, wow. And, I, and I was, so I was pretty fascinated uh, when I started playing in tournaments that they had this uh, numerical rating system in place. And, you know, the way the rating system worked is that when you, um, you know, you played an opponent with a rating and you defeated that opponent, your rating would go up. And if your opponent was, you know, very high rated, your own rating would increase a lot. And then similarly, if you lost a game, you would have your rating decrease. And there were, all, there were these formulas that described how to compute your own rating. And I, for, you know, when I was, even as a 11 year old, I was fascinated with <laughs> um, how this formula worked. And, uh, you know, to make a long story short, I, I, I ended up studying a little bit about ratings in college. Um, I wrote my PhD dissertation, essentially developing a, an approach to modeling competitors to understand their playing strength from first principles. Um, I eventually became the um, the chair of the ratings committee for U.S. Chess. Oh wow! Which I've, been, which I've basically been doing continuously since 1992. And um, yeah, and that that's basically led into uh, kind of this whole world of of um, you know rating competitors in games and sports, which is a major area of research for me. It seems like a lot of the ratings that we, we hear about, especially with team sports, they're, they're not going to be playing head-to-head -head very often, and that it it's often seems very subjective in terms of how, the, you know, how much a team might move based on a victory or on a loss. What's, what's special about the, the way some of the ratings are being done in, in chess? Well, the, the ratings in chess are all based on your head-to-head -head outcome. Uh, the, so the idea is that, um, you know, the goal of, of all these rating systems, are, they're ones that are, you know, related uh, to the, you know, the methods that are implemented for chess, including the ones that I've developed, uh, are, are they're aiming for you to be able to compute the probability that once two new teams or two players are about to compete head to head, what's the likelihood one's going to defeat the other? Mm -hmm. So, so all, all these systems that at least I've been involved with, are really trying to uh, estimate the probability of one player defeating another, all based on previous game results. So, Mark, I am a current Cleveland Cavaliers fan, uh, and uh -huh. oh, and and grew up and grew up right, well, I, yeah, and grew up um, rooting for the Bulls. And so, there is that mm -hmm. constant debate in basketball: who's 
who's the goat of basketball? Is it MJ mm-hmm. or is it LeBron? Are there models, this one uh, or some other, that could actually help us understand if my, uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron James is the better basketball player? Yeah, I uh, the kind of work that I've that I've been doing doesn't really directly address that question, and and that's a, it's a tricky question because. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of the decision has to do with what measure you're using to, right. you know, to say somebody is the best of all time. Um, you know, the the one, you know, there are a couple of issues that make it a tricky problem. I mean, you know, not to say that people haven't tried, um, but you know, one of the problems is just simply, you know, what what is the the metric by which you, um, you know, say someone is a, a better player than another. Um, you know, I, I know that some of the better strategies are kind of aimed at like. Um, if if this player were somehow not involved in in the team, how would they be doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other the other problem, of course, when you're comparing different eras of players, I yeah. mean, um, you know, the the '90s isn't so far away from uh, you know the LeBron era, but uh, when comparing Michael Jordan and and, and LeBron James, uh, but you know the the game itself has changed a little bit and. Um, you know, preparation and practice for the game has changed. So it's it's not entirely clear, except relative to the current context that each of those uh, players has played, uh, are you really going to be able to answer the question? So, you know, you could probably have a better chance at answering the question that says, how much better was Michael Jordan than all of his uh, contemporaries? Uh, yeah, yeah. And compare that to how LeBron James is, you know, arguably better than... All of his contemporaries um, and measure that magnitude of that relative difference. What would happen is if the two were playing at the same time period is uh, is an open question and uh, be pretty tricky to to get at. Yeah, I just I had to ask it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it seems like with with some of the stuff that you're doing with chess, with pairwise comparisons, I mean, you you might have some connection across eras. Mm-hmm. You know, because you'll have some of the player. You know, if you wanted to compare a, a chess master from the the '90s to a, a chess master 20 years later, even if they didn't directly compete, they may have competed against people. You know, they may have had common competitors, perhaps, mm-hmm. or they may have competed. There may be a chain that would connect them in terms of this type of comparison. Right. So, so the same there there's a similar issue in chess as uh, as what i was describing in basketball which is that the state of knowledge of chess actually advanced quite a bit oh, wow. um i mean certainly over time um you know most people don't really you know we never really think of this but um much like there being like you know different schools of thought in art or music or or you know various humanities there actually is like different schools of thought in chess so like oh. even in the um, the early 1900s, there was this revolutionary movement called hypermodernism, which had a completely different attitude towards like what sort of strategy is uh, going to be the most successful. And it was a it was a big revolution relative to a much more classical style that was in place before then. And so by the time the 1930s and 40s rolled around, you had these uh, pretty much the the top players in the world were adopting this new approach to um, to playing chess. And if you were to try to compare the abilities of the people in the 40s versus those in, say, you know, the 1910s, it's very hard to do that comparison because the, the way the games were played is just completely different. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so that is a confounding factor in, in being able to, um, you know, draw some conclusions about strength, even though you have these connections across yeah. players, like you were saying, John. Yeah, there's a drift. Uh, uh, well, very interesting, right. Mark. Well, I'm, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Short Stories. Mark, thank you so much for, being, for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, Stats and Short Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, on Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find your favorite source of podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on our program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu. And be sure to listen for future episodes of Stats and Stories where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.